0: Dr. Charles Talbot, recording for ClearMinds Inc. Outpatient Therapy Division Internal Records. The date is July 10th, 2022. I finally received an email back from Dr. Olin. That, in of itself, is good news. Unfortunately, it said practically nothing. Once you took out the normal email pleasantries and platitudes, it uh, essentially just apologized for the mess and thanked me for cleaning up. He brushed over the glaring issues and answered none of my questions. Top of which was the gun and the laptop password. So naturally, I pointed that out in my reply. Professionally, of course. At any rate, I... Of
1: course it is. Charles? Charles, are you in there?
0: Donahue? Uh, give me a moment.
1: I hope I didn't interrupt anything important.
0: Not at all. I was just getting started. Oh, right. Please. Come in. I didn't expect to see you in today. It's... Sunday.
1: My calendar broke, I'm afraid. What? I thought I'd come and get some work done. My original plans fell through and I've never been a fan of the whole relaxation thing. A trait we seem to share, it would appear. Ah. A fellow workaholic.
0: I won't deny the assist. Help yourself. I was going to make an audio log of one of the transcriptions. Do you mind sorting some of the boxes?
1: Of course. I expected as much. It will no doubt be monotonous, but to hear the one and only Charles perform, I am almost glad that my date fell through. It's nothing that grand. You've heard me speak before, Donahue. But I've never heard you perform, Charles. Well, don't let me hold you up any longer. I'll just be right over here. Right.
0: Once again, I am pulling from the box labeled CMX1088AE. Patient name, Christopher Rogers. Well, that ruins my every last name begins with an H theory. Let's see... Okay. Transcript as follows. Being alone never bothered me. Not really. If you endure something long enough, you... adapt to it. In my case, I came to love it. Sure, fine. When I was younger, those edgy teenage years, I hated it. Now, though, nothing better than just hanging around the house after a long day. Don't get me wrong. I genuinely enjoy my friends. I would be lying if I didn't say when plans were cancelled, well, a part of me feels elated. But if they aren't, I do enjoy myself. I'm not one to hang out in a corner and be silent all night. The opposite, really. I turn into a real social butterfly. I tend to float from group to group easily adapting to whatever conversation I find myself in, and if there isn't one, I can easily create it. The only thing is that my social battery is kind of defective. Most people are either super into parties or gatherings or whatever, or they are the stay-at-home type and prefer the company of a few close friends. I like both, but have a very low tolerance for either. At parties, I start strong, and then I end up feeling drained so much faster than everyone. I'm always the first to leave and always make sure to slip away unnoticed. Just the idea of having to say goodbye to all or most people there? Not sure I would get through it. The reverse is true, too. Like, hmm, if I'm just at home and have people over, it's chill. We could hang, smoke a little bit of weed, play some video games, and just vibe. But then I get this itch. I need to move. I need to go somewhere. And I get real fidgety until I do. I've learned very quickly to just go hang out at other people's houses. It is definitely weird to expect my guests to just be in the mood to go to the club or whatever. And it's even weirder to kick them out so I can go. Yeah, it's far easier to just visit someone else's home. That way, when I get that itch, I can just leave, and it not be weird. Hmm. Oh, none of this is really something I think I need therapy for, Um, but I think it's important to mention my previous behavior. I just wanted to let you know that this is how I've always been, even as a kid. It, it happened around the time my brother was to get married. Yeah, I know, good for him, and I, I really mean that. He met this amazing girl a few years back. I'm surprised that they didn't get married sooner. We've always been close. So I was both honored and not surprised when he asked me to be his best man. I said yes, of course, and only later regretted it. I didn't think about my social battery being busted and all. I mean, I would have to plan this whole thing for him. And if you knew my brother, you'd know. That he would run a whole night and day of parties and debauchery. I couldn't cheap him on that. I mean, what was I supposed to say? Sorry, Jim, my social battery is just busted. So, your party's gonna end at, like, nine. That cool? (laughs) I couldn't dip out early either. I mean, come on, it's my brother's bachelor party, and I'm the best man. I knew I would have to suffer through it. It wasn't about me. Even so, I dreaded the damn thing. I mean, my battery has been losing its charge for a while now. I used to think it was because I was getting older, you know? Anyway, I went all out. I'm talking like four different venues, a party bus, two separate strip clubs, and to top it all off, the whole thing ended at a rager at my place. It was about two and a half hours in when it started to happen. That little notification flashed inside me. Warning, battery at 10%. I did my best to ignore it, swipe it away, and be the light of the party. As the hours took past, my battery had fallen way past zero. It became more challenging. Have you ever been so tired that the world seems fake? Like, everything around you is a dream, and you feel so light. Like, not your body, but very spirit could just float away. I know, before you say it, yes, I was drinking, but please understand, I have been drunk more than a few times in my life. I'm an expert on how it feels, and yes, I'm sure no one put anything in my drink. Pretty sure. We were at the last of the strip clubs, just past 1am. Then it happened, I blinked. That blink felt like it stretched on for hours. The shades of the world fell over my eyes and just as slowly lifted. By this point, my vision was blurry, in part to the large amount of shots I've had and in part because my mind was way past the point it's used to stimulation. The lights of the club seemed, I don't know, more intense, not brighter, but more vibrant. It was like someone turned the contrast of the world way up. The dark bits of the club were much darker, too. The shadows on people's faces seemed almost painted on. I felt it a half second before I saw it. A pinch on my shoulder. It was as if a cat had dug its claws through my jacket, through my shirt, and nearly broken my flesh. Then out of the corner of my eye, there it was. A small red-skinned thing, no more than two feet tall. It perched itself on my shoulder, its clawed feet gripping me. I jumped and swiped at it, and I nearly fell over. It, on the other hand, nimbly bounced to the floor, its eyes large and impossibly black just blinked once. Its mouth parted just like a cat and it hissed in displeasure, fanged like a cat too. Snapping its mouth shut, it scampered across the dance floor and disappeared into the writhing and stomping bodies. After I made sure I wasn't having a heart attack, I looked around frantically. Surely someone must have seen this, whatever it was, right? My questioning gaze was only met with confused looks, like I was some weirdo that just jumped out of nowhere and may have let out a small scream and I suppose I was. I laughed it off and I tried to push the whole thing out of my mind. I excused myself. I retreated to my safe haven. Whether I was at a club or at a house party, it was always the same. I found the nearest bathroom, shut myself into a stall and locked it. It wasn't an anxiety thing, never has been. I just needed a break, mostly from people. Sometimes it just all becomes a bit too much. I sat there for a while, just collecting myself. My bathroom breaks never fully recharged me, not even a little. It was always a nice reprieve, though, and as good as it felt to just have the illusion of solitude, I knew I couldn't stay there all night. Exiting the stall, I splashed water over my face and gave myself one last look in the mirror before returning to the sea of people beyond the bathroom's door. About 20 minutes later, I spotted it. That naked, red little demon. It sat on some girl's shoulder. Her body swayed to the lame EDM, completely unfazed or unaware of it. Its small pawed hands gripped the side of her head, its tongue long and thin extended out of its fanged mouth and penetrated deep inside of her ear. Small flashes of this purple light seemed to run back into that tongue. It grossly reminded me of one of those straws at a boba place. Have you ever been so drunk and then something snaps you right out of it? Like almost getting into an accident or something like that? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. In an instant, I was sober. I marched across the dance floor and right up to it, no idea where I got the courage. Well, uh, okay, maybe it was a liquid form of courage still in my system? I swatted at the thing, and like a really aware spider, it effortlessly dodged me. In one smooth motion, it retracted its tongue, leaped over my hand, and onto the dance floor. It hissed violently, and then ran off. My hand was in full motion at this point, and yeah, the whole club just saw me slap this poor girl out of nowhere. She just stared at me, her mouth slightly agape. Clearly she was shocked. Anger slowly began to take its place. It didn't take long for her friends to surround me. I barely registered them, screaming inches in front of my face. My eyes were too busy darting across the room looking for that red demon creature thing. It took a slap to my face to refocus my attention. At this point, about five of her friends were screaming at me. She was crying, and my brother and his friends were all trying to de escalate the entire situation. It didn't work. We got kicked out, and I didn't go quietly. I raved like a madman. Didn't you see it? It's still in there. It's sucking out their brains. I was trying to help her. I couldn't understand why anyone other than me could see this thing and why no one was taking me seriously. It took nearly the entire ride home for Jim to calm me down. A few of the guys definitely laid into me. It wasn't much of a party bus. We were maybe two miles from my place when I saw it again. Clyde, who always had a habit of drinking way too much, was sprawled out on one of the couches. His eyes doing that half-open thing they do when someone had clearly way too much to drink. And there, right there, sitting on his chest, was that little red demon. Its tongue, uncoiled, it was slurping from his ear. Whatever level of calm I had achieved went straight out the window. I shouted to my friends, it's there, don't you see it? They tried to hold on to me, but they were a bit too slow as I darted across the bus and brought my boot down onto it. Or rather, I tried to, anyway. In the same impossibly quick fashion, it moved out of the way. Clyde's body reacted the way you would expect from a surprise stop to the chest. He immediately started coughing, once he recovered from that initial blow anyway. One of the guys rushed to his side and the rest to me. It took them longer than they would probably ever admit to bend me down. I was chasing that little bastard all around the bus. That and that thing, it, it could move, and I mean really move, a blur of red most of the time. It only ever stopped to hiss at me. Now these weren't a bunch of guys I barely knew. My brother and I ran in the same circles, so we shared most of the same friends. Some of them I knew for years. So they knew that this was way out of character for me. As I laid there screaming at them, confused as to why they couldn't just see what I was seeing, I could hear their muffled conversations. They went through the normal cycle you'd expect. They debated on whether I had lost it, if I was on drugs, or if I had been drugged. In the end, it was Jim who reasoned that if I was just messed up on something, then we should just wait it out. If I took the drugs myself, then they didn't want to get me in trouble. But if they were slipped to me, we could work that out later. It may not have been the brightest or most reasonable decision, but, well, it was one of many irresponsible decisions that night. By the time the bus pulled into the driveway, it was settled. I was to be taken to my room to calm down, with periodic check-ins to make sure I was okay. I fought them on it, of course, especially when the door opened and that creature ran out of the bus like a skittish pet. Eventually, though, after a long talk with Jim, I saw their point. When I said it calmly, out loud, the whole demon thing did sound nuts. Then he made another good point. Why would this thing suck out Clyde's brain, when we all knew he didn't have one? So, that was that. He ushered me upstairs, to my bedroom, and I was left in my room alone. And if I'm being honest... It was a relief. (laughs) I didn't want to disappoint my brother, and at the same time, though, I was excited to be alone. Needless to say, I didn't argue when I was actually in my room. My eyes searched the entire way there, though, for one last look over to see if there was any little red devils. I didn't find any. I'm not going to lie, much like when plans are cancelled, part of me was so happy. Even with the thumping of the music from the floor below, I was finally alone. After a thorough check of my bedroom, I plopped myself onto my bed and just in case I kept the lights on. But god, was it so good and satisfying to just sit there, back against the wall and just recharge. Sitting became slouching, slouching became laying. All the socializing, all the drinking, all the panic. It took a toll on me, and before I knew it, I was passed out. I awoke i uh, I don't know, sometime later. My door creaked open, and Clyde had been the first to be too drunk to go on. Typical of him, honestly. One of the guys helped his stumbling body into my room. He asked me something. I was pretty sure it was something along the lines of, you mind if I dump him here? I threw a thumbs up, and Clyde's body was plopped onto the bed with me like he was a coat in the coat room. Too tired to care, I went back to sleep. I woke up to a nudge on my shoulder. A few nudges, actually. It was Clyde. Still blackout drunk and barely conscious. What? I called out half-awake and half-annoyed. He didn't respond, not with his words anyway. His eyes, on the other hand, set plenty. Fear hung in them, more fear than I had seen ever in him. His hand drunkenly swatted at my shoulder. I felt tiny claws dig into my skin. Now THAT! shot me awake as I flung my body quickly and violently, kind of like when you feel a bug climbing on you and you just panic. I felt something thin and slimy yank from my ear as I did so, like a trained acrobat that red horror just flipped and clung onto my ceiling. Its eyes just blinked and it hissed. I screamed and grabbed for the bat that I keep under my bed for intruders and this seemed to qualify. I began to swing wildly and at one point it made a break for the door, but I was closer and that time I was a bit faster. I slammed it shut, locking it in with me. Some of the guys came rushing up the stairs, hearing them I pushed a nightstand in front of it and if they opened the door, it was going to escape. And there was no way I was going to let it go. Not this time. It didn't take long for them to reach the door either. I heard them jiggle the door handle and my eyes scanned the room. It had taken that brief moment to hide. My brother shouted from the outside, pleading to let him in. I ignored him. I began to search. Under the bed. Nope. In the bathroom shower. Nope. In the closet gotcha darting from behind the clothes it re-entered the room and I swung I missed knocking a painting off the wall then the TV and then one of the lamps by this point my brother began to kick at the door I still ignored him but with each swing I let my anger fuel the next one it began to slow I was wearing it out I knew All I had to do was outlast it. Every time my bat connected with something, I was that much closer to catching it. The door began to crack and splinter. I had to be faster. I chased it around with more veracity. Its hisses turned to wheezed warnings. Finally, it stopped, just briefly, but that was all I needed. With a shout, I brought that bat down harder than I ever have. The door broke. The nightstand was pushed out of the way. didn't matter, though. I felt my bat make contact. I heard that wet crunch. I had got it. I looked down, satisfied with the red that painted my weapon brother came rushing in shouting what did you do I got it Jim I finally got it look I pointed at it only to realize that I didn't get it the crunch was not the body of the red demon it, 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 it was Clyde his body twitched blood stained my sheets his head it, it was half caved in A moment later, I was tackled to the ground. The room erupted in sound, but I didn't hear them. My gaze, it it was fixed on the ceiling, where that thing just hung there, its soulless black eyes blinked, a toothy grin widened before it vanished from my sight a blur. I pled guilty. I didn't even mention the devil. I did my time, and if that's where the story ended, I could accept that, that I had just snapped and killed a close friend of mine. It took me a long time to understand. You see, the Red Devil hasn't stopped. Now I I see it everywhere, grinning and feasting. This imp-like creature will target anyone, and no one can see it. I swear that it feeds off energy, and I don't mean in some vague sense, I mean that it feeds off that battery, that want to be social, that need to connect to others. It isn't the only one, I know that now. I see them everywhere, attached to a group of people that get together, attached to a cheerful cashier, even just chatting strangers, they're there. They feed until we are drained, and it simply waits for us to recharge. It's that urge to scratch your shoulder, that sudden desire to rub your ear, I swear it's those damned things. If you can believe it, I didn't come in here to talk about this. I was just having a rough week and just needed someone to listen. But here's the thing. They're always around, and I can't remember the last time since that night when I didn't see at least one. Even here in your office, there are three one over there, and two in that corner. You want to know the reason why I decided to share this with you? Because all three of them are looking at you, but not a single one is grinning. In fact, They are... Shaking. And I know that look in their eyes. It's the same look that Clyde had. It's fear. Raw, deep and primal. Paralyzing fear. Hmm. It would seem that Christopher Rogers is suffering from some sort of schizophrenia maybe likely dormant triggered from some sort of psychotic break perhaps
1: it's possible oh sh- <laughs> i
0: i forgot you were here
1: ouch charles that hurt you forgot about me
0: <laughs> must be the lack of noise
1: perhaps if you worked that would help and miss your story not likely Small note, you should project more. Try speaking from the diaphragm. Psychosis was your specialty, wasn't it? Thoughts on this patient? Like I mentioned, it's possible. There are plenty of reasons for one's mind to break down. Abuse, trauma, drugs, alcohol, even medications. The list goes on. Have you considered that he may have been telling the truth?
0: What? That a horde of little red imps crawl around and whisper into our ears. Tell us to do naughty things.
1: Weren't you listening to your own voice, Charles? They take our energy, not make our decisions. Christopher said as much and pleaded guilty. He realized at the end of it all that he was to blame for Clyde's death. It was not some little red monsters.
0: Do you honestly believe in these demons, Donahue?
1: No. No, of course not. Christopher does, however. That much is clear. He could have blamed them for the death of his friend, but he didn't. That tells us he wasn't looking for a scapegoat. I just want you to keep an open mind, Charles. Why? Let me ask you this. What do you plan to do after we clean and organize this office? (laughs) I don't know. Watch my grandkids get married, most likely. It was a serious question, Charles.
0: I have no idea. Clear Minds extended the offer for me to take Dr. Olin's place here, should I want it. I would even get to keep my current pay. On the other hand, I could have my old job back as well.
1: Statistical data research, yes? Good memory. You asked me what my qualifications were, but I neglected to ask you the same. Would you be qualified to help these people?
0: On paper, yes. More than qualified. In practice, that's entirely different. Clear Minds hired me right out of college. Since then, my degrees have done little besides collect dust. Turns out, I have a talent for organizing and solving puzzles, where the only pieces are paper trails. Statistical data research isn't accurate. I suppose... Company office organizer slash research detective who can figure out what a project is by reading half-finished, scattered notes as too much of a mouthful for a job title. At any rate, I know I can do this job well. Actually being a therapist, however, I don't know. Maybe.
1: Then, shouldn't you? Help them, I mean. Most of these people are suffering, Charles. Loss, with no direction, with no control. You could help them. Make more of a difference than just working behind a desk. I would still have a desk, you know. That's not what I meant. I know what you meant, and I take
0: your point. However, I'm not sure I would be the right person for it.
1: So, what? That's it? Stick with the job you know? Who cares if others could use your help? Of
0: course I care, Donahue. Also, why are you pushing me on this?
1: If it's so important, why don't you take over when we are done? Perhaps I will. I'm just fascinated that you went through all that education just to waste it shuffling papers. Fascinated, huh? Yes, Charles. Add perplex to that as well. Surely you didn't see yourself doing... this. Why did you pursue those degrees in the first place? I'm sorry. I didn't realize
0: I was your patient. Should I lie down on that frayed couch? Here, let me find you a... Empty pad of paper so you can take notes. Charles, I didn't mean- To what? Better yet, what did you mean to do, Donahue? Perhaps I pushed too far. We should drop this. Ah, so you admit you were pushing. We don't know each other very well yet, but let me make one thing very clear, Donahue. Do
1: not push me. You're right. I don't know you very well. But be careful, Charles- I don't respond well to childish outbursts. Childish!
0: This episode was written and produced by Christopher George. Charles Talbot was played by Christopher George. Lucian Donahue was played by Dakota Hamlin. Script editing was done by Dalton Lewis. Thanks again for supporting the show and for listening. If you want to help out Please make sure to leave a review, or share it with your friends, family, their dogs, cats, and anyone who has ears. Feel free to support us on patreon.com slash thepatientfiles, where you can get bonus content such as episodes early, view scripts, and so on. Again, thank you so much, and as always, stay safe and stay sane.